Is he wonderful to your life today? Amen. I was thinking as we were worshiping and as we were singing unto the Lord, how fresh, how fresh in your heart is Christ. Amen. How fresh is it? How real is it in your life? I know the world can kind of try to crowd out some things in our life today, especially when it's concerning Christ and who he is. But I'm so grateful today that I don't have to wait to Christmas to celebrate what he's done in my life. Amen. Give God praise if you want to. I'm grateful today because we do get to take time to celebrate and to give. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful season. But the reason for the season is Christ Jesus. Amen. It's not about the tree and the gifts as much as it is the gift that we celebrate today. God's love and his grace. If you will stand with me this morning, I want to share with you for a few moments from the Word of God. Look around at somebody and smile at them real big and tell them we're so glad you're here in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, there's no place I'd rather be than in God's presence. You are important to the Lord, and we're just grateful you're here. If we have any visitors, we're glad to have you and uh, just look forward to to getting to know you. Hope if you don't have a home church, please consider coming and joining with us. We'd love to have you here. And uh, on Tuesday night, we have prayer. And Brother Buddy's been leading prayer. And uh, I'm telling you, it's been a powerful, powerful time. It's been going on for years. And we're grateful for that. If you want to be a part of that prayer, come on and join us on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. And uh, I'm telling you, you can let your hair down, you can shout, you can run all over the place if you want to. The Holy Ghost gets to move, and I'm telling you, we can do that right now if we want to. Amen. I mean, hey, uh, as the Spirit leads, we'll just let the Lord have His way. He's truly in this place. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of Micah. As you're turning there, Micah chapter 5. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for all that you're doing and uh, for all the, the sacrifice that you have made and are making uh, to keep the ministry going forward here. We're grateful for our uh, local council. Amen. We're grateful for all the leadership and all those that work behind the scenes uh, that we may be able to move forward. And great things, I believe, are on the horizon for those of us who will Dig down deep, seek the Lord, and ask God, what can I do, amen, to be a blessing for your kingdom here. We're grateful for that. And uh, I tell you, I'll say this, and I'm plugging too, but I'll say this. If you're looking for somewhere to work, we got plenty of room. Amen. Plenty of room. Much to do for the kingdom of God. Micah chapter 5, beginning with verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his children, brethren shall return to the children of Israel, he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This morning I want to share with you a thought simply entitled, The Journey to Bethlehem. The Journey to Bethlehem. Last week we talked about Mary and God sending forth Gabriel to let her know that the Christ child would be born and she would be the one in whom this child would be born. What a great miracle of the virgin birth. Today I want to share with you some things that God put in my spirit concerning 
the journey to Bethlehem. Father, may you add your blessings to the reading of your word. Oh God, may you hide your servant. Lord, that you would anoint our ears and our hearts to receive. For that which you have for us, God, this morning, Lord, is life-changing. Lord, you never, Father, move forward in ministry, God, to a heart and to a life without the purpose of changing them. God, whether they're lost or whether they're saved, or God, no matter what we're going through, your purpose is to change us. This Christmas season, God, my prayer is that we would be changed by the power of the truth of your word. God, this Christmas story would not just be uh, repetitious uh, words that have fallen off the lips uh, over and over every December, God, but it would come alive within our heart again. Oh God, we would realize the reason of our rejoicing today. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, what a wonderful child. Oh, this wonderful Savior, so lowly, meek, and mild that you sent into this world. Father, today, we just want you to have your way. Oh, I feel your spirit in this house today. Lord, we ask you, God, that you would accomplish your will in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you can be seated in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. And it's wonderful today to be reminded again, as I said, through prayer each December of the Christmas season. And so often and many times we find that people go through the motions of Christmas and the pressures of Christmas and the ability for them to go into debt at Christmas and overwhelm themselves sometimes uh, becomes very, very great. And in the midst of it all, if we're not careful, the story loses its fervency in our life. I don't know about you, but I, I just want to take some time during this Christmas season to be reminded of just how real and how powerful and how wonderful this time was. And today, if we begin to look here in Micah, we see a prophetic word that was sent forth of God through the prophet Micah. And he begins to declare of some things that would transpire and where the birth child would, uh, the child would take place, the birthing of the child would take place. And uh, he begins to declare the things that were going to happen uh, as the process of Christ coming into the world began to take place. It's my prayer that as we look at this this morning that we will be reminded of God's grace. How many believe that it's a wonderful thing today? That we would be reminded of God's truths today and that we would find God's love real within our hearts. I'm telling you today, there's no greater peace than the love of God in your life today. Amen. There's no greater peace than to know his love and to know the power of his love. And today we're reminded of that in our daily walk with God. And for those that have not experienced it, I want you to understand today just one touch from him to find out the grace of God's love in your life will change your life forever. Amen. I'm telling you, when God touches you in that kind of way to bring salvation and grace into your life and you become a recipient of what God has done, it will change your life forever. A little history about Bethlehem as we begin to look into this word today. It was a small town located in the hills of Judea, southwest of Jerusalem. And it was during the time of Jacob, it was known as Ephrath, which was also uh, meaning fruitful. And after the conquest of Canaan, it became Bethlehem of Judah. It was also the home of Elimelech and Boaz, uh, Ruth's father-in-law and her husband. 
We also come to find out as uh, there's so many more things that I won't cover today that it was the home of King David. The Bible lets us know in Samuel that God had sent Samuel down to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse and found that there was a, a young boy down there by the name of David who was keeping his father's sheep there in the fields and he was anointed to be king of Israel. We also find that Bethlehem was called the city of David after King David. In Luke chapter 2 it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife being great with child. So as we begin to look at Bethlehem and we're reminded a little bit about uh, uh, the history of Bethlehem, we now see in Luke chapter 2 that an event took place that began to set the prophetic in motion. How many are so grateful today that God will see his word through? Amen. And today we begin to see the prophetic begin to take place and to begin to be fulfilled by events that, 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 that uh, circumstantially happened here. The Bible said that uh, Caesar Augustus had called that the world should be taxed and that they would begin to make their journey toward Bethlehem so that they could pay their taxes. And during this particular time, we find that Christ is going to be born because Mary has reached a place to where she's about to give birth. In this particular series of events, we find that uh, Mary and Joseph arrived there and uh, according to the scripture, that there was no room in the inn. The first thing I want to talk about this morning, there's two things I want to touch on, but the first thing I want to talk about is that there was no room in the inn. Uh, when I think about this narrative and I think about from my childhood and all the way through Sunday school and hearing the story of Christ, I, I think about uh, some things that got into my spirit that I think were not necessarily meant to be placed there, but yet they were kind of the narrative in some situations. And some people may be kind of thought that uh, uh, when they got to the end that there was no room because the people just did not want anything to do with Mary and Joseph and did not want to deal with uh, the situation of her birth there in the inn, and, and so they kind of uh, hatefully and spitefully turned her away. And, and that was one narrative that some, sometimes uh, people would kind of gather, but it was a wrong narrative. And then I thought about some other things. Why would the end be full? Uh, why would the end be full? Because they were going to be taxed. There were so many people traveling. Has anybody ever had a trip you needed to go on? It was during the busy time. And you got there and there was no room and you had to go somewhere else and find somewhere else to check in. Amen. And I thought about how innocent that was uh, as they come to arrive there to check into the inn so that they could find a place where they could, could have this baby Jesus. And then they tell them there's no room in the inn. Well, that, 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 that was kind of a, a, a understandable, but yet I thought about something else. I said, well, now, if I was the innkeeper. I ain't lost y'all. I'm going somewhere. If I was the innkeeper and I was there standing at the door and there was a man here and a woman who was about to give birth, what would I do? I began to think about that. I said, now I could turn them away and say, well, we just don't have no room. I'm sorry. Uh, there was not a whole lot of hens there. They couldn't send them on down to the Motel 6, because they sure wasn't leaving the light on for them. But they turned them away. And I thought to myself, well, if I was the innkeeper, and I don't know about you, but if somebody knocked on my door and they were in a situation where they had a wife and they were about to give birth and they needed some help, I don't know about you, but I'd give up my bedroom. Amen. Wouldn't you? If I was the innkeeper, I'd make some kind of provision. 
Come on, somebody. I believe I, I, I would just, uh, I would have to. I'd say, honey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sleep on the couch in the corner, just grab a pillow, we'll do something. These folks need some help, amen? This didn't happen. They sent them away. They said there was no room in the inn. Well, they probably didn't know this was the son of God. It was just another pregnant woman. So what? What would you do if somebody was in need? If I was the innkeeper, I would like to have said in my mind that, hey, we're going to make room some way, shape, form, or fashion. I'd have went and knocked on every door, every room, and I'd say, look at here. We got a situation here. We got a woman that's fixing to have a baby. She needs a room, and none of that happened. Oh, we just don't have room. I'm sorry. You're going to have to find somewhere else. But I want to tell you that the that, 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 that verdict, whether or not things happen in the right kind of perspective or in the right spirit, the verdict was that she was told there was no room in the end. There was no room for Jesus to be born. What is that saying to me today? That is saying to me in my spirit, God wanted me to share with you today that there are people that are not doing what it takes to make room for Jesus in their life. They're not doing it. We could do better, couldn't we? Come on, somebody. Oh, when we begin to think about the narrative of what was happening here, it was within the innkeeper's power. Can I tell you today, it's within your power to allow Jesus to come into your life. Amen. It's within your power. He's not going to force himself on you. He's going to come and knock on your door and it's within your power whether you're going to say there's room or not. And if there's some things in the way, you need to give it an eviction notice and tell it to get out of your life. You need Jesus in your life more than you need these other things in your life. There's some people today that need to understand that salvation full and free is not about you delivering yourself. It's about you letting Jesus come in and clean house in your life. Come on, somebody. He wants to come in, amen, to God and clean your house and clean your life. So when you begin to give the eviction notice, sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes if somebody's ever been evicted, they, they don't want to get out. So they have to send the authorities down there to get them out. And so the enemy sometimes don't want to get out of your life. But when you make a decision to make room for Jesus and say, I've had enough, I'm going to make some room, you're going to give an eviction notice to the enemy. Then he who has the authority will come in to your life and he will cleanse your life and he will make you new. Amen to God. We've got to make room for Jesus. Amen to the Lord. There are people today that are lost and undone and they're standing at the crossroads. The Lord is knocking. He wants to be born in their life by faith. He wants them to say simply I need you to come in my life and allow him to come in and do the work that he was sent here to do. Can I tell somebody he was sent here for you. This birthday was not about Christmas gifts and a Christmas tree alone. It was not about all the, 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 the seasonal decorations of Christmas. I'm telling you it wasn't pretty. There wasn't lights hanging on trees. There wasn't gifts under, under, under Christmas trees. Way back then when Jesus was born, it wasn't a pretty situation. But I'm telling you today, friend, it was the most powerful reason that we celebrate it today because of what God did by sending Christ today. Somebody ought to praise him. I'm fixing it. Get happy. Jesus is the reason. We got to make room for him. And so many today are pushing him away. They don't want to make room. They don't see a need. Then, oh, look at somebody say, I wonder what I'd have done if I was the innkeeper. Have you ever thought about that? Have you really ever thought about that? Could you really have turned somebody away? Or would you have gone the distance? Some of you don't realize how important it is to go the distance. And let Jesus in your life. Let him save you. 
There are people today that are lost and undone without God that have not experienced this kind of love. I don't want to get lost in the commercialized Christmas. Come on now. I don't want to get lost in the commercialized Christmas. Oh, God, help me. Come on, somebody. I don't want to place all the gifts under the tree and then forget the greatest gift to share is the gift within me. Amen. The gift of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. The gift that will change lives. There are people that are going to open gifts this season that are going to be great and with love they're given and people are going to receive them with love. But they don't have the power to eternally change their life. We cannot forget the reason for the season is an eternal transition and transformation. You can't open it up under a tree. You can only receive it by faith. You can only live in it by faith. He is not found. Amen to God sitting on a shelf in Walmart, but he'll be found. Amen to God on your knees today, seeking him and you may find him today. You won't find him in the commercialized Christmas. Preacher, you, you, you just tearing Christmas apart. No, I'm not. It's wonderful to give. Y'all keep on giving. Spend all your money. Keep on giving. Do it from a right heart. But just don't forget the greatest gift you won't find under a tree. Glory to God. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father now. Making intercession for us living in our life today. How wonderful is that? Oh, Savior. Oh, Jesus. What a wonderful child. Amen. Oh, glory. He's so lowly. He's so meek and mild. I don't know about you, but that just stirs my soul. Yes, he is a wonderful child. Why is he wonderful? Not just because somebody wrote a song about it. He is wonderful because he is the son of God. He is a propitiation for our sins. He is our healer. He is our Savior. He is our Holy Ghost baptized. He is everything with it. You better believe he's a wonderful child today and you can't buy this in any commercialized business. This is something you will not find. Amen. Being peddled from door to door. This is only something you'll find in the power of God's Holy Ghost revealed unto the heart of man by his spirit today through the word of God. It's a message that needs to be preached because if we're not careful, we're losing our steam in America today to preach a gospel that'll change life. We need the blazing power of the gospel to be spread across America again, changing this world. Amen. We don't need them to know we're just some dear God, some economical blessed nation. We need them to know we're a nation that believes in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. That we believe God he is the supreme author and finisher of our faith. And you better make room for him because if you don't, you're going to lose out. Make room for Jesus. They're sending him away. Didn't stop him from being born. You can reject him, but somebody's going to accept him. It's you that's going to miss out if you turn him away. What was important about this being born in Bethlehem? Bethlehem was the house of bread. Come on, somebody. He is the bread of life. I feel this. The bread of life. Mm. Him who hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. You know what I'm saying? The bread of life was birthed in the house of bread. Many turn away. They don't make room for the bread of life. That's why you're starving to death spiritually. Oh, come on, somebody. 
trying to feed off of everything but what is necessary to the saving of your soul and to the transformation of your life. God help us to understand the power of what was happening here as the innkeeper turned them away. He didn't have to. The Bible doesn't go into that kind of specifics. But I know he didn't have to because I've been there. And I know some folks right here, you've been there. And you would move heaven and earth to help somebody in need if it meant you had to give up something. y'all with me so Jesus is going to be born irregardless even though it's not going to be an end he's going to he's going to be born there was no room there in the end that's all right it ain't gonna stop God God intended on the bread of life being born in the house of bread Bethlehem I want to tell you that there was somebody today that needs to hear that you need to make room. Your life will drastically change for the better if you'll take and open your door and make room for Jesus. There were wise men, the Bible said, that were seeking him. They had traveled from Persia and Arabia. They, they dwelled in the kingdom courts there. They were astrologers. And in their uh, historical line of education, they believed that when a, a bright star was hovering over a particular region or country, they believed that to be the place where a king over that nation, over that country was being born. So when they saw this star in the east, they began to travel knowing that this particular place where the star was hanging over was the land of the Jews. And they were looking for the king that was born to be king of the Jews. They entered in, amen, to, to, to the place there in Jerusalem. They began to ask questions. They began to seek answers to what's happening here. Where's this baby? They were going around according to scripture. It said they were saying, which implied that they were going around asking questions from different people. Where is this child that is born king of the Jews? But nobody had an answer. And when Herod heard about it, he began to, to, to question. He said, my goodness, what in the world's going on here? We, 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 we hear that there's a birth that has taken place and I want to know about this birth myself. And so the wise men traveled from a long way. They've come to worship him and they didn't know where he was born. They just knew he was born. Amen. They knew that the king of the Jews was coming and, and he was going to, to be raised up and they wanted to know more about him. They knew he was the son of God and their long journey was worth every step. Can I tell somebody, there's a song that says I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now and I believe that, that if you've ever made a step toward God and you've led him in your life, that every step you take after that, amen, it was well worth every step. I wouldn't take nothing for my giving praise if you want to. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I made every step, and they made step after step, months and months of traveling to find this child. They had to get to him. They longed to meet him. They longed to worship him. How many longed to worship him today? Or oh, we just get up every Sunday. Well, this Sunday I got to go to church. Oh my goodness, it's Tuesday. Prayer meetings tonight, you know. I'm telling you, you know, we got church Wednesday night too, you know. That preacher, you know, he, he just kind of boring on Wednesday night. And, uh, oh, my. Sometimes he's boring on Sunday morning, but, you know, I, I, I'm telling man, the women's ministry, that, they always got something going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, help me. Men's ministry, they took a break, but they about to crank up. My goodness. We ain't going to have time. We're going to have time in children's ministry. And, and oh, we got to do outreach. And uh, we got all these things here. And, and my goodness, I, I just, 
Oh, oh, we got choir practice too. I forgot about that. <laughs> I just had to look over and say, my, we got all these things going on and, and what are we going to do? Oh, you know, Lord, I don't know. How many look forward to worshiping him? Look forward to, I was thinking about it, something, and it may not be important to you. I know family's important, but I want you to understand something. Something that changed in my life drastically through my walk with God. I love my family. They're my family. But I'm telling you, there's a family that I'm a part of that they can't replace. And that is the family of God. That is my brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, somebody. They're important to me. They're important to me because they, they have faith in the Son of God as I have faith. They've been born into the kingdom of God. It's an eternal bond. Amen. I love my family. Many of them are saved. But I'm telling you this, that when I think about church and I think about ministry and I think about worshiping God, I think about what's most important. And it's not what I feel, but it's who he is. Sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. I don't come by my feeling. I come because of who he is. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like I do it because of who he is. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There's some of you in here this morning. You came with physical ailments. You came with things going on in your life. And I had something happen this morning myself. And really, I didn't even want to be here this morning. And so I'm pressing on my faith because I'm coming because of him. I'm not coming because of my feelings. Things will happen in life. But the greatest thing that's ever happened in life deserves a constant faith and a diligent walk. And that's what he's called us into. We deserve Deserve, amen. He deserves our praise today. Amen. Hallelujah. I was watching Bishop Tim Hill this morning. I said, go ahead, my brother. He was singing, and he was in a church, and everybody in there, man, they, were, they couldn't be still. They were just, and I'm saying, man, the more they moved, the more he, he danced. And the more they moved, I mean, they were shouting and praising God and speaking, amen, to God. I thought, man, what a great atmosphere. I could feel it just moving. It. And, and the great thing is, when we come in here, Stover, we can feel God moving. And why would we want to trade that for anything else that would get in the way of what God is doing in our life personally and as a church today. The wise men traveled. They wanted to worship him. They sought to honor him. And then King Herod as he began to inquire, he wanted to know where is he to be born. They knew that the prophecy was real. He knew, according to the scripture, the scribes knew where he was going to be born. They believed in the prophecies, but they didn't want anything to do with the Son of God. He was satisfied living a life compromise of sin. You know what King Herod's problem was? Self. Self. King Herod had power. He was Ill illegitimate anyway. But he had, he had made the, uh, created a, a dynasty of power that followed line after line, other Herods behind him. He didn't, his biggest problem was him. He wanted to know where Jesus was at, but he didn't want nothing to do with Jesus because Jesus was. King. And Herod said, No, I'm king. I got news for you. There can't be two kings. Either he's going to be king or he ain't in your life. He didn't want. A king to come up and, and to mess up what he had going on. There are people today that they love doing what they're doing. They love living in sin. They love this. But I'm going to tell you something. That's why they won't let Jesus.
Jesus said because it convicts them of their sin. When he comes around, when the presence of God is there, the conviction of the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And when we are living in a realm as if King Herod was, we live in a place where we do not want to allow God to come in and change this good little thing we got going on. But I got news for you. All good things must come to an end. Come on now. What do you mean by that, preacher? Everything good that's happening in your life right now is going to come to an end. Except one thing. Amen. Everything we've got, everything we drive, all our friends, all our family, it's going to come to an end one day. And we don't need to hang our hats on these things. So we got to understand something. King Herod was happy with who he was. He was happy about what he had accomplished. He would rather kill Jesus than accept him. And he plotted to do just that. He conned the wise men and said, hey, won't y'all go on down there? Tell me where this Lord is. I want to come and worship him. When he gets down there, they begin to worship him. They give him the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. And they kneel before him. They worship him. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him. God speaks to him in a dream. And tells him, say, don't y'all go back to Jerusalem. Y'all going back home another way. And God said, I'm not going to let the enemy get his hand on my son. Amen. And so they went back another way. And after waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, Herod never heard anything. And he was still furious. He was still angry. There's some folk today won't let Jesus in because they're holding on with everything they got. And they still get frustrated when a preacher comes around or when a child of God comes around. They get frustrated. They're not really frustrated with you. They're frustrated with themselves. Amen. Don't, don't get frustrated with people that, 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 that seem to reject you. They're frustrated with themselves because they can't control what they have going on when Christ confronts them. When Christ confronts, when Christ becomes an object of decision, it changes the whole narrative, doesn't it? You believe that? When this little baby that was born in a manger was born, he hadn't even said his first words yet, and the enemy was nervous. Come on, somebody. Just the thought of God's son, just the thought of what was happening. He didn't like it. He would rather kill him and he plotted against him and they would not return and tell him he was angry. So in Matthew chapter 2 verse 16 through 18, he decides to kill every boy child from two years old and under according to the time that was determined from the wise men. In other words, he said, I'm going to get him one way or another. He is not going to be king over my life. Then was fulfilled a voice of spoke about Jeremiah the prophet saying a voice was heard in Ramah lamentation and weeping and great mourning Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more there were bloodshed babies were dying oh but the son of God was living God had his hand on him what a grave condition for a soul to be in to have the opportunity to accept the son of God but have so much of a self-righteous attitude that you would rather hold on to the world and not let him in to the place that you would do whatever it takes to keep him from changing your life. You know what people would do? They'll stop going to church. Amen? I don't want to be so, so I'll stop going to church. I mean, I'll quit. Amen. Or maybe I'll do this. I'll go to another church that tells me what I want to hear. 
Amen. They'll do whatever they can to shut him out because they don't want him. They, 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 they'll annihilate the idea of any thought of Christ. But then they'll go around and start hanging around other sinners because they know there are other sinners. They surely ain't talking about God. They'll find everything they can do to shut out any avenue of Christ or God coming into their life and messing up their world. But the thing is that God don't want to mess your world up. He wants to fix your world. Amen. What are we living in the situation and time that we're living in today is we've got people that are spiritually doing what Herod was doing back then. Finding every reason not to let Christ be Christ. Matthew chapter 10 verse 39, the Bible said, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Bethlehem was born the greatest treasure. How many would believe that today? Greatest treasure was born in Bethlehem. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he had found that one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. That's how important Christ is. That's the treasure of Christ. Many... They want to have all the pleasures in the world, but not the treasure of heaven. There are those today that enjoy Christmas for one reason and one reason only. What am I going to get? Somebody ought to say, preach, preacher. Ain't that the truth? What am I going to get? What, did I, what do I want? Let me make me a list of what I want. Man, we're blessed, ain't we, today? Nothing wrong with giving. I'm not preaching about giving. Please don't misunderstand me. But there are people today that are more concerned about the pleasures of what they're going to get at Christmas than they are about the Christ, the Son of the living God, the greatest treasure of heaven. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter 53, if you'll come on to the piano, if you will, please. <clears throat> Who has believed thy report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we've esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who would declare his generation? But he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many. Somebody ought to shout right there. For he shall bear their iniquities. Glory to God. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah prophesies of the picture of 
God's grace in the life of this child, this baby that would be born and the purpose that he would accomplish. And it was with us in mind, amen. How many is thankful today that it was with us in mind? Have you met somebody it seemed like that is just holding on for dear life to their lost condition? Nothing's too hard for God. All they got to do is make that decision today. Many are celebrating the season, but they're not celebrating the reason today. God help us. But without reason, without the reason, there's no relevance for this season. Stand with me if you will. Please. This season would mean nothing without the reason. Would you agree with that? Without Christ Jesus' birth, it means nothing. The lights mean nothing. The decorations mean nothing. When we see a beautiful tree, or we see these beautiful lights, these poinsettias, we see these beautiful arrangements and decorations, our hearts should leap for joy, being reminded that there was born this day in the city of David, the house of bread, the bread of life, which is Jesus our Lord. Oh, what a glorious birth. Without Christ as your Savior today, life has no meaning. Amen. You're just a tree without the decor of his splendor. Amen. You're just a box without any relevant content. Amen. Oh God, help us today. The journey to Bethlehem revealed the conditions of the hearts then. And it reveals the condition of hearts today. Every generation. What is your condition? Every head bowed, every eye closed for a minute, please. No one looking around. Ask yourself the question, what is your condition? Are you like the wise men who is overjoyed at the grace of God through Jesus Christ? Are you like the innkeeper who says, I don't have room? make room and I hadn't been making room or you like the king the king that said I don't want I don't want another king taking my place I want to control my life I want to be in charge tell you something it's your life it's your choice. And nobody can make it for you. But I will submit to you that if you don't make room for him, you're going to waste a great opportunity. I say this because God loves you. And I know there's many in here that are saved today, but there's some in here that you if you were to really be honest with yourself, you fall under the category of either the innkeeper or that king. You've been trying to hold on to it and live it yourself. You didn't want the Lord in your life. But let me tell you, the Lord loves you. God didn't send his son into the world to make you unhappy. He sent him into the world to take your place and my place in a sure 
act of judgment that is coming if we don't accept Christ as our Savior and escape these things that come for eternity. What, what, does, it, what does it matter if you don't get to be Lord over your life anymore? You have the best Lord there could ever be and that's Christ Jesus if you let him in. God, the author and finisher of your faith. You say, preacher, I don't, I don't know the Lord as my Savior this morning. Please, no one looking around just for a minute. And you say, well, preacher, I want to change that right now. Because I want to know this Jesus is Lord of my life. If that's you, you've got to make a decision. And right now, you're... Your decision is, am I going to walk down here in front of all these people? They're going to be looking at me. They might talk about me. Shame on them if they do. You're stepping out by faith and making a step toward this altar is doing what Christ said. It's making a public profession of faith. It's, it's declaring with your mouth. It's saying, come. You're coming and saying, I don't care what the world thinks. I only care what Jesus thinks. He's all that matters in my life. He has Nobody else in here can save you. They can't do it. They wasn't born of a virgin. They didn't live a sin-free life. They weren't the children of God. They didn't die on a cross. Their blood cannot save you. There's only one can do that. And his name's Jesus. I promise you, if you got the courage to make that one step of faith and come to this altar saying, I am doing this signifying that I have given my life to the Lord. I've come to surrender it all right now. Will you step out of your seat? If you don't want to come by yourself, take somebody by the hand. But this Christmas season, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of sadness that has taken place. And one of the greatest joys you'll ever know is to know Jesus as your Savior. Will you do it? Step out right now. Will you come? No one's looking around. You need to accept Christ as your Savior. You need to make room for Him. Don't let the enemy keep you from making that greatest decision you'll ever make. You know, the Bible said, if, if you would deny me, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Your act of stepping out and accepting Christ as your Savior is important. Don't be a closet Christian. Be one that is not ashamed of Christ. Don't leave your Christianity behind the wall. Be one that is saying, if God can die for me publicly on the cross, I can live for him publicly in this life.